economy of the Industrial Revolution. An economy confined to and limited by the Earth's physical resources into the economy in mind, in which there are no bounds on human imagination and the freedom to create is the most precious natural resource. And welcome to the Soul of Enterprise, Business in the Knowledge Economy, sponsored by Sage, energizing business builders around the world through the imagination of our people and the power of technology. I'm Ed Kless with my friend and co-host Ron Baker. And Ron, on today's show, free rider Friday. We need like applause or something. (laughs) (laughs) Agree. Well, you got some for me. I've been looking forward to this. Yeah, always, always, because we get a chance to do some of this during our bonus show, during our Patreon episodes that we do. But, I, you know, I, I have to, a confession, I, I like to save some of the best stuff for the actual Free Rider Fridays. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my Not stack's guess, so big, it's all good stuff. That's true. That's true, too. That's too true. So, I'm, I'm going to come out swinging, Ron. Good. Swinging. Good. And it's something that you and I have talked about, but I really wanted to talk about this on in the air. And that is two, I think it's two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, I had the opportunity to participate in a webcast with Peter Block. And you know what a fan I am of Peter Block, as are you, I think, by the way, through me. absolutely. And his book, um, Flawless Consulting, is turning 40 years old. Wow. Wow. First edition of Flawless Consulting goes back 40 40 years. And it was a celebration of that. And Peter, through his company, Designed Learning, offered two opportunities for those of us who have been following Peter for a long time to get on with him and and have conversations Mm -hmm. and share our stories of Flawless Consulting and and how it worked. And, And I know I've shared this story at least once on the show. I'll have to find out where it is, but I'm also going to write it up and post it. The story of Frank, who was the guy who, right. who, right, who didn't want to, didn't want to learn how to do stuff. Yeah. And I had the opportunity to share that story with Peter and he was very appreciative. In fact, he said he was going to put it in the next edition of flawless consulting, which I, I think was a joke. Cause I don't know if he's doing another one or not, but mm. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> but here's the really cool part is in the, the five or so minutes that Peter talked and set up this call, it, as only Peter Block can do, said about 12 things that made you go, wow. Yeah. <laughs> holy, yeah. holy cow. <laughs> and I wanted to share them. I was just, just jotting these down as he was, was talking. And there's just, just some amazing stuff that, that I think would be helpful for both you and I to reflect on. And the first one is, is that he called it a gathering, Mm -hmm. not a meeting, not a webcast. He said a gathering and he said it was a gathering of the clan. Hmm. And I think this is in direct contrast with what we hear today about tribalism. I think that word choice of clan was on purpose because I think, would you agree that the word clan has less negative connotation to it? Like tribe has this tribalism and tribe kind of means there's a, there's certainly something bellicose, I think about tribe for some reason. 
Yeah, you know, in these woke days, Ed Clan has got <laughs> stepping into dangerous territory with a C. Come on, man! Uh, I know. I'm just telling you, this PC stuff isn't rational. You know that. Oh, uh, that's true. I didn't even think about that until you said that. Well, because I'm woke, Ed. You're not. That must be it. I honestly did not even put that together because <laughs> it's so not associated in my mind. But anyway, all right. So maybe I'm wrong. But he called it a gathering of the clan, definitely with a C. I like the I, I like the gathering um, clan. I, I've never been a big fan of clan, but mm. you know I'm not a big fan of tribalism either. You got to find a better word. I liked it because again, I had not even thought about the negative implications of the word, but tribalism, but you can't say clanism. Clanism just doesn't right. work. Yeah, right, right. It's not a good, good, it's a weird word. All right, so let's go on to the next one. And this is a variation on something that he has in his book, which is that, that speed is indifferent to def, uh, destination. But he said this, he said, the desire for speed reveals the belief that depth is not possible. Yeah, it's brilliant. And I, that just is incredibly profound to me, right? And the, the notion here is that what we hear of, we got to get there faster, efficiency, better, 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 right? That what that shows is that we don't think that going deep into a topic or, or depth of relationship is even possible anymore. I find that profoundly sad, but I think he's right. Yeah, I, I, I think it's a thread in the effing debate, quite frankly. I really, I mean, this, what, what was that book, Speed of Trust or Speed of the Covey? One of the speed coveys. of trust. Yes, speed of yeah, trust. I, you know, I just, I, I've never bought that, 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 that speed is important. There's no doubt get to market, you know, maybe throw something out there before it's ready and upgrade it like Apple does. But I, I, I've never been a fan. I just don't see the c connection. Agreed. Next up, how about this one? This is so in alignment with what we have talked about. That tighter surveillance leads to better outcomes is a myth. <laughs> Amen. What a slam. What a direct slam at the timesheet, right? And the annual performance appraisal and mm -hmm. just weekly check-ins and, you know, all this crap that we're trying to do. And yeah, no, it's. This one is brilliant. Time is never an issue. It's all about commitment. If your boss's boss or best customer calls and asks you if you have a minute, the answer is yes. I was just here waiting for you to call. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would say time is about commitment. It's also about choice. That's exactly true. And that's what he's saying is, yeah, is that yeah. when, 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 you make, when you make a choice to make something important, it's, it's important. a commitment. Yeah, and you'll find the time. And you'll find the time to make it done. I have an, and this is this next one is a new great question that I'm adding to my great questions presentation. And this is this is a, a, a terrific question to ask as consultants or accountants or bookkeepers or whomever or lawyers begin to engage with their customers. And this is this is it. If you if you had any doubts about me, what would they be? Hmm. 
You're a troublemaker. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) But I think that's a beautiful question to ask someone that you're about to enter into a consulting relationship. Sure. And it puts them in an, in the non-threatening position because you're saying, if you had any doubts, not that you do, of course, but if you had any doubts about me, what would they be? Right. It's like, it's kind of like asking people how they feel about that rather than what do you think about that? It's less threatening. You're probably going to get to the truth quicker because people are more expressive with their feelings than I can argue with your thoughts, right? What you think, but I can't argue with your feelings. Correct. All right. Next up. uh, Well, this is something we've talked about. Consultants confront people with their, their choices. Leaders confront people with their freedom. Mm -hmm. It's like one step, one step louder. I never heard him phrase it quite that way that, that consultants confront people with their choices, which is also about freedom, but leaders then confront people with their freedom. Right. Because freedom is choice. I mean, I've heard him. In fact, he said that on our show, liberty is the absence of coercion. Freedom is the presence of choice or something like that. That might not be exactly what he said, but it was something like that. And I I love that distinction Mm -hmm. because people say freedom and liberty as if they're the same thing and they're not. You, you know, this was Father Sirico's point about, well, why would you submit yourself to the Catholic Church or kosher food, right? Well, because it's choice. It's freedom. That's freedom. That's freedom. But liberty is the absence of coercion from coercion. the government. I, I love that distinction. It's a, it's a terrific distinction. And I've never, heard, I've never heard many economists, and, and I've never even heard many political economists say it that way. Agreed. All right, next up, I've heard this before, is another form of resistance. <laughs> that's another that's another how question without the yes. how that's fantastic <laughs> i've heard this before yeah we tried yeah uh, i've heard this I've during heard this the before. truman administration and <laughs> it wouldn't work back then and yeah that's great that's fantastic <laughs> i didn't have to update my slides with the six how questions now uh, i know i know that's and, great and then and then he added parenthetically so is the word fine <laughs> yeah that that, <laughs> that is a lack that's indifference to the hilt isn't it fine how are you fine 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 and okay, this uh, you when we talked about this one you really love this one it is very colonial to say here is what you're going to leave with <laughs> In other words, the, the these the, the learning objectives for the day will be the following. Yeah, start the agenda by showing them what we're going. Oh, yeah, that is fantastic. I, you did. You shared that on Facebook or somewhere or told me about it. I can't remember, but I just love that. But the word choice of colonial, colonial is fantastic. Next up, busy is a code word for anxious. Yep. And lastly on this is if you only do things that are predictable, you will never change anything. Yep. And just the other day I showed the, the slide of his quote, and I'm going to get this wrong, so correct it because I know you're the blockism guy. Uh, but profound transformations come from deeper questions, not answers, or something to that effect. That's right? pretty close. Yep. Um, and 
that is just so powerful. That's as good as Hoffer's, you know. Yeah. You know, humanness happened when man asked the first question, right? I mean. And this 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 last phrase was not something Block said, but somebody else done on on the webcast who I I, I thought was com- completely insightful. But you're gonna like this one too. We can't change the past. We don't know the future yet. We are rarely ever fully present. Yeah, you brought that up on the Strickland show. And I think that that is just terrific as a, and a reminder for us to to live and remain in the present. Yep. Well, I've devoted a whole segment to block Ron. I apologize for uh, that. No, but. rightfully so. The guy's profound. I, and that was in the first five minutes of it. <laughs> that was in the first five minutes of, of him just setting up the webcast. God, it makes us oh, look sorry, like, the gathering. The gathering. gathering. <laughs> that, that makes us look like pikers, Ed. I know. <laughs> Amazing yeah, stuff. He is. Amazing he's, stuff. He's, he's great. But now on to the mundane. Want to remind you that you need to get a hold of Ron or myself. You can send an email to asktsoe at verisage.com. Of course, the website is thesoulofenterprise.com, where you can get show notes as well as previews to upcoming shows. But right now, a word from our sponsor. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program. This program delivers the tools to create, package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. Have you ever listened to an advertisement for a book so many times that you question the existence of God? Me too. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I recorded the advertisement for Ron and Ed's book, The Soul of Enterprise Dialogues on Blah 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 Whatever, and four years later, we're all tired of it, especially me. But thankfully, there's a solution. For just $10 a month, you never have to hear my voice again. For a commercial-free version of The Soul of Enterprise, go to patreon.com slash TSOE and subscribe now. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. tuned into the soul of enterprise with ron baker and ed class to find out more about our show visit us on the web at the soul of you can also chat with us on twitter using hashtag ask tsoe now back to the soul of enterprise welcome back everybody we're doing free writer friday for the month of october and ed back in 1996 i went to a convention in washington dc and Steve Forbes was running for president, if you remember that. Yes. Flying around the country in Capitalist One. 
his airplane. (laughs) And during that time, I was reading a book and I racked my brains and I'm sorry, I don't have it, but, but there was an idea in that book that blew my mind, just blew my mind. Because you know how we love half-baked ideas or new ideas. and, and Quarter-baked ideas. Quarter-baked maybe. ideas. And this one was had to do with tax, and I was heavily involved in teaching my alternatives to the federal income tax course. So, you know, studying all the different types of tax systems, and, and that included around the world. Um, and the idea was that it wasn't an idea, it was actually happening. Countries were entering into private tax treaties with individuals. So they'd you know, get, find a billionaire or something that wanted to get out of the US or some other country, high tax country, and they'd make a long-term deal with them about what they were gonna pay, usually on a flat tax basis or some flat rate. And these were private tax treaties. So they weren't very public. Not a lot of people were talking about it. It wasn't well known, but they were happening. Well, (laughs) in National Review, Kevin Williamson, one of my favorite all-time economic writers, his article, Elizabeth Warren's Financial Berlin Wall. And I, I don't mean this to be political. It's not about the presidential election or anything like that. This is about taxes. And since we've done shows on taxes, Uh, This is really good. The Italian government has made an offer to expatriates. You pay a maximum flat tax of 100,000 euros per year, irrespective of your income, so long as that income is not earned by working a job in Italy. And you can become a citizen of Italy. And if you want to escape high taxation, that's the deal. And Switzerland has a system, I'm not sure how you pronounce it, it's called forfeit system, in which non-citizens residing in Switzerland have the option of using their annual housing expenditure rather than their income as the basis of taxation, which is great if you're a thrifty billionaire, you know, like Warren uh, Buffett that lives in his little, you know, 1,500 square foot house or whatever in Nebraska. Other European countries have enacted similar policies or are considering them. And Williamson writes, the reason for this has a name. Jeremy Corbyn, the Jew-hating Leninist autocrat who is incredibly enough positioned to become the next prime minister if, you know, the United Kingdom should uh, get a labor government. And so the Wall Street Journal ran a headline, give us your rich Europe tells the UK. (laughs) So this this is competition to get rich people to flock to your country, um, which is great. And and the article goes on to talk about Warren and Bernie Sanders have similar plans. But here's why I love Kevin Williamson. In every article this guy writes, he's got either one line or sometimes several that will just make you spit out and laugh out loud. This is one of them. He says, but Warren in spite of being a plastic banana of titanic phoniness, an ass of an exceptional asininity, an intellectual mediocrity, and a terrible campaigner on top of it all, seems more likely threat. She said, he said, Sanders, who cannot resist the old Soviet liquidate the kulaks as a class rhetoric, <laughs> insists that billionaires should not exist. Warren has a ghastly imbecile plan for that. So he, they, he gets into her plan 
And uh, then he, he goes on to talk about Switzerland, Sweden, you know, which everybody looks at the model. And he says, are you kidding? There's much about the Swedish tax regime that a billionaire would love. There's no inheritance tax. There's no gift tax. There's very little property tax. It's capped at 800 bucks a year, relatively low and straightforwardly administered business taxes. Uh, he said, because they treat their tax as a question of revenue, not social justice, which is fantastic. And also give some update stats, which I haven't seen in a while, but in 2016, we had 5,411 people renouncing their U.S. citizenships, 1,099 in 2018. Now, these decisions to do this are usually complex. There's many factors. I didn't know this. Tina Turner is a resident of Switzerland. She relinquished her U.S. citizenship, which is under U.S. law, slightly different than renouncing it. I'm not sure what those differences are. Facebook co-founder, what's his name? Eduardo Saverin. He mm -hmm. Singapore. <clears throat> Filmmaker John Huston died an Irishman. Um, he says Uncle Stupid imposes an exit tax plus a fee for 20, $23.50. Uh, but here's his point. He said, Elizabeth Warren is proposing to build a financial Berlin wall to keep the rich guys in, right? And he said, this is a little bit funny. Billionaires are awful, evil, wicked, and should not exist. But God help them if they try and skedaddle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because this is not about revenue. This is about revenge. So her proposal, of course, is expropriating 40% of the wealth of any American who decided to immigrate. Think about that for a minute. Um, and that, how is that even be possibly constitutional? Well, uh, the current law ensnares those whose average income in the five-year period before renunciation was $162,000 or more, meaning that there are a lot of high school principals who would need Washington's permission to split. <laughs> this is Kevin Williamson, I guess. Great. Um, he said, the right of exit is a great discipliner of social, romantic, and business relationships. All of our new neighbors lately arrived from Venezuela. <laughs> Point that out. Um, and he ends by saying, and this is fantastic, he said, Elizabeth Warren, like Donald Trump, wants to build a wall. Trump is to keep foreigners out. Hers is locking the billionaires in, penning them in order that they shorn and be milked uh, as though they were livestock. Neither is likely to accomplish its stated purpose. But in neither case is the stated purpose, the genuine purpose. That's that's profound and probably right on target and sadly disappointing that we have to go there. I, I, I've had this conversation with a number of people, but not many people realize that the passport system is not to let you back into the States. It's about letting you out in the first place. Yeah. And that's true of all passports. That's how that's how passports began. You weren't allowed to leave yep. the fiefdom that you were born into. You weren't allowed. Yep. And the the passport was for you to get get permission to to travel outside your place of origin and place oh, of birth. That's exactly right. That's that's its history. What's that kinky Friedman line that don't build a wall? I might want to get out. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> right. In thirty years, I might want to leave. And I think he's cor correct on that amount. I, I find it absolutely intriguing that the 
the, the Democrats have been criticizing Trump for his imperial presidency, which I don't necessarily disagree with, while at the same time they seem to be all running for king or monarch, I should 40% say. 40% plan, 40% expropriation if you try and renounce. and war- That's Warren's plan. First of all, if that even gets before Congress, how many people would leave before it, be- it gets enacted? And, and, and yeah, that's kind of the point. That's what, that's what he's saying about what, why, you know, Italy and other European countries are doing this because of Brexit and just because of Jeremy Corbyn, who has got the same idiotic ideas, you know, these, these billionaires have the mobility to leave. If you frustrate them, they're gone. And, and they can leave well before your legislation gets put into law. Yeah. This isn't a zoo. This country's not a zoo and they're not, you know, animals to be caged and fed. They're, they, free agency they will leave wow so just thought that was great loved some of those lines he's just a great just a great writer and just a funny guy he's a i just don't i just don't understand yeah yes i know i I just don't understand how how the, the the this notion of a wealth tax is even constitutional i don't think it is ed i think her 40 percent plan would be shot down almost instantaneously Taxes are supposed to be proportional. I don't know how that's proportional going after, you know, somebody because of their wealth. And I love the point that, yeah, these are evil people, the Koch brothers, blah, blah, blah. But then we don't want them to leave either. That is a great point. <laughs> that is a great point. You will, you will stay here and be, be our, our, our slaves and yeah. we will, yeah, the sanction of the victim. Yep. We'll just milk you and, you know. <clears throat> but if you think about it from Italy's standpoint, a hundred grand, hundred euros, they don't have before these, these billionaires aren't going to be, you know, sucking at uh, government services. Right. Mm-hmm. And they're probably going to spend money and, you know, hire people and, you know, why not? How, how would it work though? I mean, would, I mean, I just don't, do, would you, do you, you, do you have to live there? I guess. Yeah, I think there. I think there is a minimum residency requirement, and, and I'm sure that differs by country. Kind of like Australia, you know, you have a green card, so you can stay in the states like 180 days, but not a day after, day more, whatever. Um, yeah, I'm sure there's all sorts of requirements, and I don't. I've never heard that this, the distinction between renouncing versus relinquishing. I don't know the the details of that either. Is it relinquish or relinquishing? relinquishing sorry relinquishing okay yes. so it i would imagine that re- renounces is, is to say uh, i'm out i'm not i'm, I'm out and i and, and i would no longer a citizen whereas relinquish might be to say i i yield it so to speak right right and and, I, and there's different tax apparently of ramifications of that so like tina turner you know relinquishing is different than somebody renouncing but i see yeah so anyway, didn't mean to spend the whole break on that, but uh, just or the whole segment, but just thought that was fascinating. No, again, like the 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 block stuff, it is fascinating, and I it, it just is interesting to see where we're going with all this. So who who the heck knows? Yep. Yeah. Taxes incentives matter. Yeah, <laughs> they do matter. I mean, <laughs> no, totally agree. Totally agree. I just love the Ingmar Bergen line, you know, when he got off the plane in Belgium. Why Belgium? Why Belgium? Devoted to chocolate. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
<laughs> so true. All right. Up against our next break, Ron, I want to remind you that you can contact us at asktsoe at verisage.com. And a reminder, as I talked about earlier in the show, we do have a Patreon site, patreon.com slash TSOE, where you can listen to commercial-free versions of the show, as well as bonus episodes, which Ron and I do on a weekly basis. And then sometimes just various bonus content that we throw out there. And so if you want to join that, that's the place to go, patreon.com slash TSOE. But right now, a word from our sponsor. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts, 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 and new program programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program. This program delivers the tools to create, package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com. Have you ever listened to an online radio show that changed that changed your changed your life? I'm required to say that I have. Have you ever stopped listening to an online radio show because the commercials were mind-numbingly repetitive? Of course you haven't because you're here right now. Look, you don't have to listen to me anymore. There's a commercial-free version of this show, and it only costs $10 a month. And for $15 a month, you get no commercials plus bonus content. Go to patreon.com slash TSOE, subscribe now, and be free. You're worth it. From the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Class. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. Well, one of the places I was this week, Ron, was at the Sage Intact Advantage Conference out in lovely Las Vegas, Nevada. Yes. You know how much I love Las Vegas. And I love even leaving Las Vegas even more. But the conference was outstanding, a huge amount of energy. Loved seeing all of my Sage Intact colleagues as well as the customers and partners who were out there. Got a chance to drop some knowledge on the Sage Intact Accounting Program participants, which really went well. The, they were very accepting of, of the, the message. I talked, talked to them mostly about value and just amazing, Ron, how important this topic is to many folks who haven't heard it. Yeah. And it, it is really game-changing. But one of the presentations was given by my colleague, Kevin Cumley, who is the head of the Sage Intact at, at Accountants Program. Right. And then he, sh- he shared the stage with Michael Cerami from, from CPA.com. We've had a couple people. We have Eric Askerson, who's been on the show, uh, mm-hmm. who's the president of CPA.com. And w- one of the things that they, they shared was the client accounting services practice measures that they talk about during the workshop that they do. And, 
just th- this is the slide. I'll describe it and I'll I'll try to put it up in the show notes. But they they have new new CAS measures. CAS again is client accounting services or client advisory services, but it's net fees per professional, net fees for client, re- uh, leverage, margin, revenue, or uh, client satisfaction, employee engagement measures, and then they have traditional. CAS measures on a on a separate sl- side of the slide, and they have utilization charge out hours and realization. That's their traditional, and they have these new that they're proposing. Well, what's really interesting is underneath this slide, it says the following: use of traditional measures may hinder growth and capacity. So I'm taking this as the Surgeon General warning. That's what right. I'm taking this as, Ron. It will be ignored <laughs> by most accountants. It will be ignored by most accountants, but this is the this is CPA.com and sort of the AICPA. That's not really true, but they're close enough. They're, everybody yep. knows they're related. Yep. So this, this is now the official Surgeon General's warning. Use of these traditional measures may hinder growth and capacity. The closest we're going to get to get rid of your timesheets, people. Exactly. Exactly. But here's the thing, Ed. You know that that revenue per person, and you could you could take this to an extreme: contribution margin per person, uh, you know, profit per person, whatever. Mm-hmm. That's a measurement, and it's a measurement because I can't fake headcount, but I can't <laughs> fake hours, right? right. Hours are a metric. Those are faked and they're fudged and they're borrowed and they're lied about and all sorts of games that we play with that. I can't fake a head count. So revenue per person, contribution margin per person is far more meaningful than real realization is a joke because good luck separating the noise from the signal there. You can't. I defy anybody tell me that you can because there are things that happen that, that can distort that number so bad. I mean, we can drown in a lake of average of two feet deep, and that's what the realization metric is. It's meaningless. But I can't fake a headcount. It, it's, 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 this is the same logic why economists don't want to tax dividends, because I can, I can make my books look great on a profit basis and grow the, the value of the stock, Mm-hmm. But if I pay a dividend, how do I fudge cash? That's right. As, as I was going to say, the, the, Reginald Tom, Tomas Lee is is with us on this because it's a cash cost. That's why. That's right. So, yep, that's fantastic. But but I have to say, I do like the other side of those measures, I like the employee engagement. Although you know, I don't know how you do that. NPS obviously customer feedback. AAR should be up there, but you know. I do like some of those metrics. Yes, it's interesting. And th- there is one I, I left out, which is realized rate per hour. But when pushed on that, he actually said that what he meant there was total hours, m- meaning it's 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 headcount. Yeah. So, okay, let's divide by the square foot of the office. Well, no, no, no. So, no. What he's saying is, is, is instead of you, you can. It's really headcount. Yeah. But instead, what you're using is you're using twenty eighty rather than one. Sure, sure. Yeah. But, 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 why do we have to do that? You know, 
Does, you just do the <laughs> revenue per person. This is how we analyze big companies. We say Apple has revenue per person of, and you know Nike and IBM have revenue per person of, and we look at Craigslist and they have revenue per person of that blows the others away, right? Uh, that's how you that's how you analyze that, at least at that Correct. level. I, I think th- I think that the the per hour is is just a, a throwback to make some people feel better about themselves. Yes, That's yeah, all. exactly. So if you keep timesheets, yeah, you can do this calculate. But seriously, Ed, you could do you could divide it by the number of cylinders in the partner's car. It, it's it makes just as much sense. Correct. Wheels on all office chairs. Yeah. <laughs> Divided by number of monitors. By the by, number of people who stand at their desk rather than sit. Yes, sit. <laughs> Much better for you. We should come up with a bunch of alternative metrics like that. We could do that. That would be good for like a, a an April Fool's show. Well, that would you remember the timesheet code with that passed around for a long time. I think, in fact, I think I printed it in my one of my books, my first book. You know, reading a book at work, writing a book at work. Remember all that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thinking about the meeting, hiding from the meeting. <laughs> oh, too good, too good. All right, what do you got, Ron? Okay, um, this this I love this. The myth that people work harder under capitalism. This is from Fee, from Barry Brownstein. You probably saw this, but Ed, you know, in the old days, you know, we didn't have happy peasants laboring away in the fields, right? They were starving and they had no energy to work hard. Mm-hmm. And watching one's children suffer from maltrition, you know, must have been a terrible experience. So in his book, The Great Escape, Nobel laureate in economics, Angus Deaton, explains the nutritional trap. And basically, you know, we had stunted bodies uh, back then when we were agriculture uh, economy, right? Because mm-hmm. it was the yep. best hope of survival. <laughs> it, it, you know, the lack of calories... Uh, by not growing too big or too tall, probably meant you could live longer. The average, get this, the average 18th century Englishman got fewer calories than the average individual living today in sub-Saharan Africa. They worked little. They were in a nutritional trap. They could not earn much because they were so physically weak and they could not eat because without work, they did not have the money to buy food. And with the agricultural revolution, the trap began to fall apart. Camille, Camille Paglia explains that because everything is so easy now, undergrads have a sense that this is the way life has always been. And of course, you know, she blames that on the lack of teaching of history and all of that. Um, but Jacobin magazine, you know, the democratic socialist magazine that's so popular these days and everybody loves to quote, argues that we work too many hours and they blame capitalism for this problem. American capitalism has failed us in part because we are overworked. But, but this guy goes on to explain, contrary to mythology, 19th century factory jobs were great jobs. Today's jobs are even better. Uh, and then, you know, you, they, he compares a factory job from back then, you know, Dickens time and all that with working on a farm, <laughs> which is mm-hmm. no easy thing, right? Which is why people flock to um, the factories, but then he gave this 19th century example, which I've never heard before. Improving jobs happened when kerosene replaced whale sperm oil for high quality lighting collection of sperm oil required the collectors to, I've never heard this 
required the collectors to spend days scraping spermaceti from the brain cavity of the decomposing carcass of a huge whale. Work in oil fields was far from perfect, but it was better than work in deep decomposing brain cavities. Mm-hmm. You know, this, this is back to Rockefeller saved the whales, right? Right. But he'll never get any credit for it. Uh, building and repairing refrigerators is better and higher paying work than was the dangerous work of harvesting ice in brutal temperatures. So his argument is that capitalism has been the great engine that has improved worker conditions. And he admits we might look back in a hundred years at how we work today and think, geez, poor people. We <laughs> sat at your desk and did so much email. What was that all about? Or, or whatever, <laughs> poor, you know. I mean, poor we can't. bastards. <laughs> <laughs> but well, I, but I love that. And, and that's often forgot, you know, the nutritional trap. It, that's just often, it's not discussed. And yet mm-hmm. it was massive. I mean, the, you know, I remember reading books about average height and just as you, you got wealthier, we got taller and you know, bigger and, and all of that. And this is just kind of ignored. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. Oh, anyway. Wow. I don't think we have time to go again. Do we? Or no, you do go ahead. Uh, okay. Let me try to You're get up. another, another quick one in here. As I was, uh, you, you, you prompted me to look up something else. Oh, okay. Let me, let me, let me get this one out. Cause this is quick. You following the election in Canada run? No. No? Our neighbors to the north, man. They know all about our elections. I know, but that's because theirs are so boring. (laughs) Well, it it seems that uh, Trudeau was was re-elected. Yep, I did know that. And according to the CTV's election results, the conservatives took uh, they had had 6,139,185 of the nearly 18 million ballots cast mm-hmm. in the entire country, claiming 34.4% of the popular vote. But Trudeau won because he won the most districts. Right, right. The liberals only took 33.1%, which is a net difference of 243,000 votes. In other words, guess what, Ron? If they had an electoral college in Canada... <laughs> <laughs> Let me guess. Hillary Clinton would be president. <laughs> well, so the exact opposite here. So I, I think I think it's time that we we start giving the Canadians a problem of not having a real democracy, Ron. Right, right. They totally. don't have a real democracy, That's right? Because the, the the clearly the person with the most number of votes was the conservatives. So the yeah. conservatives should really have the na- hold the national government. I don't know, you know that the. I think it's unfair. It's completely unfair and clearly yeah. undemocratic. Absolutely. We need the popular vote up there. That's well, I think, and I, I think the fact that this goes completely unreported in the U S uh, aside from the fact that you're right, their elections are boring relative to ours, but we've perfected the excitement of the political campaign. Oh, we have reality TV now. It, it is. I, and I was, I said that, you know, the years ago, but, the, the point point being is that all electoral systems like this have challenges. And yes, you have situations where sometimes the majority is not in power. <laughs> That's the way it works. Right. So, 
anyway, I figured I figured we needed to report that. And a shout out to our Canadian friends. We love you guys. Yep. Excellent. Well, Ed, we're up against it, it looks like. And folks, I'd like to remind you, if you want to get a hold of Ed or myself, you can do so at asktsoe at verisage.com. Check out the soul of enterprise.com. We'll post full show notes. And also, please go out to iTunes and give us a rating. We love those. If you write something, we'll read it on the air, good, bad, or indifferent. And now we want to hear from our sponsor, Sage. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program. This program delivers the tools to create, package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com. Have you ever been so annoyed by a commercial for a $5 ebook that you were willing to pay $10 to never hear it again? I sure have. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. Over the last several years, you've come to hate me, and I hate me too. By now, you know that for $5, you can get a copy of Ron and Ed's book. What you might not know is, for twice that much every month for forever, you can stop hearing me plug Ron and Ed's book, which totally makes sense, like the Diamond Water Paradox. Go to patreon.com slash TSOE and subscribe today. Please, for the love of God, make it stop! When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. tuned into the soul of enterprise with ron baker and ed class to find out more about our show visit us on the web at the soul of you can also chat with us on twitter using hashtag ask tsoe now back to the soul of enterprise all right well welcome back everybody we're here on free writer friday for the month and ed there's a great open letter to google co-founder sergey brin and it's from Dennis Prager. And I know you just listened to the Jimmy Lai interview on Uncommon Knowledge with Peter Amazing interview. Robinson. This is the same type of spirit as that. He, Prager writes, beyond my wildest dreams, two things are happening in America. One is that for the first time in America's history, free speech is being seriously threatened. In 1977, when Nazis sought to march in Skokie, Illinois, those terrible human beings, uh, because Skokie was home to many Jewish Holocaust survivors, virtually every liberal and conservative organization, including Jewish organizations, defended the Nazis' right to march. He said, today, people who abhor Nazism, um, you know, Jordan Peterson, Ben Shapiro, um, others are shouted down, threatened, disinvited, uh, he said, Google is also suppressing speech. How could the company founded by a man whose parents fled the Soviet Union do this? He talks about, Prager talks about how he went to the Soviet Union as a young person. And 
the goal was to help, you know, Jewish immigrants escape get or, or get out, right. Go through the proper channels and just get out. Um, and he talks about one organization, you know, his Prager university has been, um, been uh, banned on YouTube. Some of their videos, not all of them, but some of them, um, they've placed hundreds of them actually, uh, labeled inappropriate for children. This means no family that filters out pornography and graphic violence, no school and no library can see these videos. One, because it mentions murder because he's talking about the 10 commandments. Um, and he just goes on to say that I, I just can't believe this is happening. He said, Mr. Brin, I fought to bring your parents from a land with no freedom to the land of the free. What Americans most want from immigrants is they help keep America free. And I just, it just resonated with me because of what Jimmy Lai was saying about, you know, we need, uh, didn't Peter ask him, what, what, do you, what can Americans do for Hong Kong? He said, just give us your moral support stand by your values, stand by your system. And mm -hmm. I just loved how he slammed the NBA. He just, and he, and <laughs> I think that got the biggest applause from the audience other than, you know, when he was finished, but it, it, that's what I was trying to articulate when I said it was pushing back on your idea that NBA is just doing this for money. I think it's deeper than that. I think, I think we're losing our ability and our, our moral stand for free speech. May very well be, may very well be, but, and I have something in my stack on this. I didn't know that you were going to talk specifically about that, but there was an article. This one is in AIER, our American Institute for Economics Research, by an author I think you like, John Tamney. Yep, love him. And this was something that he wrote earlier this week, October 23rd, and this is in defense of LeBron James. Mm, okay. And... This is a, I think this is the fifth paragraph. And he said, while criticism of James has been bipartisan, the endless outpouring of outrage from the right has been more than a bit puzzling. Conservatives and libertarians rightly can't stand when celebrities presume to talk U.S. politics, but somehow want them on the front lines of the freedom fight in China. Something is wrong with this picture. Actually, a lot is wrong. Well, that's interesting. I don't agree with it. I mean, if, if, you, if you're if you're a citizen of this country and you you cherish its freedoms, and like Jimmy Lai was talking about, you know, China's got a completely different system that mm -hmm. is not free, that suppresses free speech, and you're sitting there even halfway defending that, not taking a moral stand for your system that you know is is morally superior, then I think that's a problem. I don't care who you are. I, I'm not saying we should do anything about it, but I, I just think that just shows how weak we've become defending our system. It, it would be like not standing up for free markets. It would be not like pushing back for, for capitalism or whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. That's my issue. Well, and, and, yeah, no, I, and I, look, I, I, I just think this is an interesting topic. He, he's a, and then he continues, for one, for members of the right to browbeat James is for them to insult individual genius that they've historically cheered. Why do they want James to be politically active? Was there a similarly reasonable question to ask when the political left essentially demanded that Taylor Swift pick uh, political sides? 
So actually, it. I <clears throat> actually I don't want LeBron James to be politically active. I just want him to play basketball, just like I like actors to act and not and that, know, just shut up and, and sing and, type of thing. Exactly, and that and he points this out. And that, by the way, I went. To, I think I mentioned last week that I went and saw Billy Joel, mm-hmm. and I have been to seven or eight Billy Joel concerts. He has never talked about anything political, and never will. It's it, he, he's he's and he and he's quoted as saying he's quoted as saying, look, the last thing people who come to see me want to see, see me is, <laughs> is 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 for me to talk about my politics. Right. Why, <laughs> like that's, why that's absolutely ha- the last thing. Why alienate half your audience? I mean, didn't didn't Michael Jordan say, look, Republicans buy sneakers, too? I mean, that was that's right. You know, it's profound. Yeah. So I think that, that that's that, that's just it. I mean, and I think it was, so the question, though, is, is was was James's tweet an attempt to stay on the sideline or was it was an attempt to be defensive? And look, it, I think it was his 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 tweet was a little bit convoluted. I don't know what, if I just read it and parse it. I could get an absolute clear meaning from it. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Well, did you see him disrespecting the, didn't he disrespect the national anthem during a game over there or something? Didn't did he walked out or walked off the court? I didn't even, I didn't see the whole I didn't, thing. I did. I did not see that. He no, did something. Did and, and, you know, I, I, I don't, to, to me, it's just like, you know, you get, you gotta, you gotta stand up for the right thing. Freedom of speech is the right thing. Yeah. And he, he has the right to be an idiot. I don't deny that. Mm-hmm. But I just, what's it say? Well, does he has the, because you could read one reading of his tweet is it's more complicated than that. Yeah, I suppose. I'm talking more That's, about his press conference when he, when, and this is the thing South Park made fun of, you know, the line about, well, you, yes, we have free speech, but you don't understand the consequences for other people because they made Cartman say that about the you know the tofu they were serving the cafeteria. <laughs> friggin' hilarious! Right. I finally saw that episode. It's friggin' hilarious. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's hard to be serious when you bring in South Park. <laughs> That's just, true. That's true. They, yeah, they just did such a great job. Such a great job. Yeah. <laughs> Eviscerating <laughs> the whole, the whole, the whole thing. But I, 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 respond, I, look, I think this is I, a serious topic. It is. It is a serious topic. And I just, I just thought Prager did a great job with that open letter to Sergey. And and you know, it, it's something worth pondering. It is. It is. And let me let's just just reiterate that those of you listening after this, do you listen to this show? Go go over to Uncommon Knowledge and listen to the latest interview up there with with Jimmy Lai. And as 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 he says at the end of the show uh, that it's it, now I know what it must've been like to listen to John Adams or Patrick Henry. Uh, I thought it was, a, it was an incredibly profound statement. When he says China's issued death threats on you and your family, they track your children. They post pictures of your children. So people can see them on mm-hmm. the street. Are, are you going to leave Hong Kong? He said, no. So I'm, I'm, I'm Hong Kong I'm here. And this is the price you pay for freedom. Holy yep smoke yeah oh ed New hero what's up what's up for next week next week ron we're going to have a conversation with tom hall someone who contacted you about some things that he's doing inside some organizations we're looking forward to that conversation all right i'll see you in 167 hours
This has been the Soul of Enterprise, Business in the Knowledge Economy, sponsored by Sage, energizing business builders around the world through the imagination of our people and the power of technology. Join us next week on Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern. That's 1 p.m. Pacific. In the meantime, please do visit us at www.thesoulofenterprise.com. <laughs>